Hi guys, welcome back to Read This Instead podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jean. And I'm Kelly. And fun fact, this is the fifth time we recorded this intro, so if you're listening to it, um, congratulations, we finally got it right. Um, We have a really fun episode for you guys today, but before we get into that, Kelly, do you want to start us out with your highs and lows? Yeah, so for lows, I would definitely say this has been a struggle week with technology. Um, As Sarah mentioned, we've really been having some technical difficulties with the sound and the recording um, and getting the sound to not sound like Sarah's underwater and drowning and an earthquake is happening. Um, Hopefully we've got it as good as we can. Um, And it was also a struggle with um, one of my assignments for school. Um, It was this really complicated thing that I had to make an XML and I thought that my computer had deleted it. And it was something where it was like 95% done. I was just going to look over it quickly and turn it in. Um, and I could not find it anywhere on my computer. I was about to cry. But Aww. I found it. And I just really did not want to have to redo that whole thing. Because it was like very detail-oriented and complicated and obnoxious. Um, so it ended up working out. But yeah, it's been a technology struggle week. Um, and Man, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, it happens. Um, and for my high, I would say we got to go camping last weekend. Um, me and Sarah and everyone in the family. Um, but it was actually like, it was so cold and it was great fall weather and it was just so much fun. Um, it's been a pretty hot October and I'm ready for the heat to go away. Um, but it was just a really fun trip and, um, just really relaxing. And, um, so that was a big high. What about you? Oh, I love that. Um, my low, um, besides the technology issues we had with this podcast, um, um, Phoebe, who is a six month old Australian doodle, Australian shepherd doodle mix, ate my first pair of working glasses a little bit ago and um, I had another backup pair and then I went ahead and ordered another one. Well, she ate the other one a couple nights ago and I was like, well, I have a backup pair. Well, it turns out that the backup pair, do you know when you, have you ever used something like I buy direct or eyeglass, like glasses.com and stuff where you buy I online? haven't. Okay. Well, you go in and you put in your prescription. Now, apparently... At some point in time, I had gone in there and ordered glasses and auto-saved what I put in there. But what I put in there was not my prescription. It was me being unable to locate a prescription and being lazy and guessing. And I think I put something like a plus one and a negative one and then zero for both axes. Anyway, at some point, I'd auto-save that. And so that's what this backup backup pair is. And I... I'm not joking when I say I think I can see better without them, but my new pair should be coming at some point next week. But it's been kind of difficult just not being able to see super well. I just kind of messes with your head and visibility and everything, but um, that's okay. Well, I guess it's (laughs) a case of uh, two wrongs make a right because you don't have a new car yet, but you shouldn't be driving right now. So... (laughs) Yeah, so it all true. works out. Well, 
I suppose. Um, I it's been strange, but I it's not like that's like a pretty mild low, I suppose. My high is also about the camping trip. Um, first off, because it was a great trip, but second off, it was kind of um, the golden gateway to fall, if you will, because ever since then it's been chilly, it's been beautiful weather. Uh, been lighting all the fall candles, been doing fall baking, really being able to wear fall sweaters and kind of really enjoying that. And I want to try to get another camping trip in before it gets too cold. I am so excited for this episode. Kelly, do you want to kick us off? Because it's kind of your your baby. <laughs> okay, so we have been teasing this episode almost since the first episode of this podcast. Um, I feel like at least once once an episode we mentioned like, well, this is bad, but at least it's not as bad as the wife upstairs or something like that. Um, because it genuinely, as I said at the end of the last episode, this is the worst book I've ever read. And I stand by that. This is the absolute bottom of the barrel, most abysmal, most just worst book I've ever read. Ever read. There's nothing that it gets right. It's, it's like a masterclass in what just makes a book terrible. Um, and I'm so excited to tell you all about it. Um, so we're going to start with our, um, our new segment that we've added here, five to one. Um, so we've got a choice, uh, five-star review and a choice one-star review. Um, Sarah, which one do you want to read? Um, did I read their one-star review? <laughs> yes. And also, so I'd like to clarify, um, this is not even our fault. This is the fault of the book. There's absolutely no way to talk about this book without dropping an F-bomb. And we are going to represent that word with a bleep, so you will not hear it. Um, but as we get into it, you'll find out what well, we can't avoid talking about this word because of the way that it's used in this book is just... So crass. It's... Yeah, and I'm and I I don't even I'm not even someone that cares that much about language, like to be honest. But um, you don't care about the English language or any other language in the world. No, okay, I care about language. I'm not, I'm not John one Mark. who's easily offended. I'm, <laughs> I'm not one who's easily offended by crass language. But when I when we get to it, and when we tell you the way that the author uses the f word in this book, offended me <laughs> more than anything. <laughs> Oh, it was so bad. It's just so awful. Okay. Um. All right. So five-star review for this book, Um, The Wife Upstairs. Get ready for absolutely thrilling, explosive, smart, modern retelling of Jane Eyre. Jaw- I can't. Jawless, nailless, colorless, side effects of reading something jaw-dropping, shocking, head-spinning, extremely twisty, extremely twisty, and ultra-smart. Oh boy, this book is a product of an evil genius, and it's the most dangerous glue you can ever imagine. You cannot put it down after you read the final page. It is already in your head and never let you go. You keep thinking about the evil characters. Well, that's true. <laughs> and their dark backstories. You get shivered, but also a satisfied smile forms on your face because this is well-written, exciting, riveting, and surprising novel. All those three POVs, especially Bia and Jane's, of course, both of them don't use their real names, breathtakingly twisty. Reading this book is like driving your car at full speed in a rainy day into a cliff as Lucifer Morningstar sits next to you. I don't know who that is. Asking you what you truly desire. Yes, it's both frightening, heart-pounding, uh, but also adrenaline-pumping, exhilarating experience. So... 
That review written by someone who was obviously on crack. Okay, I was going to say, oh. as they say in Encanto, and that's why coffee is for grown-ups. <laughs> yes! <laughs> um, so after that, um, let's hear the one star. This is the one star review. Written almost exactly three years ago, actually. I was going to give this two stars for entertainment value, but then I got to reader, I him, and it broke me. And yes! honestly, Same? that was where I gave up on the book as well. I was like, this is the most disrespectful piece of trash I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> well, I will say I hated this book from page one. I hated it, but I didn't. Numero uno, it. because I hated Jane. So literally this first sentence, first page. But when I got to that line, I was like, this is this has hit a new low. Oh, like, it's... and we're we're gonna talk. I have a whole section just to talk about that line. It's just, it's so bad. So, we're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to Did it. Did we want to do a quick um summary before we dive into it? Or um, yeah, go for it. Okay, go for it. So, um, the wife upstairs is a modern, as you might have guessed, <laughs> is a modern retelling of Jane Eyre because. Duh, the name of the book is The Wife Upstairs, so it's a surprise to no one. Which Kelly has more to say about the spoiler alerts in the title later. Um, but in this book, instead of being a um, tutor for children, which is a skilled and noble profession, Jane is a dog walker. And I have a lot to say about her attitude about dog She's walking. She's also really mean to the dogs. She's like really mean to the dogs. She constantly, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave my, we'll come back to it. Um, and she ends up walking a dog for Mr. Eddie, Eddie, and, um, Eddie. uncovers, um, some unsettling realities about Eddie's, um, home in a small town secret. So, Kelly, do you want to start us off? Yes, this book is a retelling of Jane Eyre. Um, it, it says that it wants to address some of the quote-unquote problematic aspects of Jane Eyre. Um, but instead of actually doing that, it takes all those problems and makes them worse in every way. Like, it's just crazy how it, it's, it's kind of astonishing how it does that. Um, and I, I have this very distinct memory of seeing a quote, like in the, you know, the little author's acknowledgement section or something like that. And I could not find it, but I swear that I've seen this. And the author said something like, this book is for everyone who read Jane Eyre and thought, hmm, Jane could do better. I've and seen that, that. that is that not true. <laughs> that is not true. Because <laughs> Jane in this one does not do better. So, anyway, like I said, this is the worst book that I've ever read. And I would like to say, if anyone listened to our, like, our High Fidelity episode, our Cuckoo's Nest episode, and they thought we were, like, too one-sidedly coming down on, like, toxic men, well, get ready. <laughs> because in this episode, we'll be talking about the most toxic just disgustingly unlikable female character <laughs> like in any fiction ever so um we're just gonna start off strong by talking about some of the big overall problems and then we'll get into some of the spe spe specific quotes and moments so one of my biggest problems with this book number one the title gives away the twist the twist is literally in the title now if you've read jane Eyre, the original like Again, that you know the twist. Um, and I don't feel bad about spoiling it because it's like almost 200 years old. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, of course, the twist is that Jane is falling in love with Edward Rochester and then she finds out his he has a wife locked in the attic. Um, and 
that, you know, but say, imagine that you're coming to this and you didn't know that it was a retelling. Um, cause it doesn't really say that on the cover or like anywhere that's super obvious. Um, and of course the big twist of this is he has his wife locked upstairs in the attic. Well, the title gives it away. Yes. And I was thinking about why she did that. And I feel like she was trying to make sure it got shelled with other thrillers that are always like the other woman, the other wife, the dead, like there's always like the woman or wife in it. And, mm-hmm. but there's so many other ways she could have phrased it or thrown in the word what I don't know it just there's not a good reason for why he did that yeah I I agree it does sound very like um thrillery that name um but yeah it's just dumb it's like to me it's like if the if the name of gone girl was something like girl who was actually lying and writing a fake diary the entire time right and like, <laughs> um, there was this really unfortunate retelling YA book about Anna Karenina, and it was just called Anna K. But honestly, <laughs> props to that, because this, instead of the whole new title, she could have done Jane, I can't remember this girl's last name is in the book, Anderson, whatever. Like, I feel like it should have paralleled if you're going to do a retelling, because I feel like most of them mm-hmm. do. But yeah, anyway, plot twist in the title. Yeah. Dumb. Yeah, so it's just so dumb. Just so, 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 so stupid. Okay, now my second biggest problem with this is the quotes. The quotes it, that broke our Goodreads reviewer, that broke me and Sarah. So, of course, as we mentioned, um, so in the original Jane Eyre, there's a quote, reader, I married him. Which is so um, sweet. Which is, it's great. It's a delicate it's breaking of the fourth wall. It's sweet. Mm-hmm. It's like she's so excited yeah, she has to tell like, you. Yeah, it's like cute, it's pithy, it's witty, it's fun. Um, you know, we love it. Um and the and in this book, um, our wonderful wonderful author, who who what's the name of this author? I think Rachel Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Um, our wonderful author here, she decides I'm gonna make this I'm gonna bring this quote into the twenty first century by changing it to reader I f***ed him. And I hate it. It was bad. Um, it was crass. So, but but not only so I remember this quote and I just remembered it being just like just this feeling of like visceral revulsion when I read it. But then when I reread this book for the podcast, I realized it's even worse than I thought because in the rewrite, Jane isn't actually the one that says this. In the rewrite, it's oh. it's B, who is the version of Bertha Mason, who's the the wife upstairs, the woman in the attic. And she's referring to when Eddie would come up and visit her in the attic and they would have sex in the attic, which is, and we'll come back to that because it's one of the ways in which the author are trying to correct the, you know, um, you know, insufficient feminism of these authors who were like literally in the 1800s, um, you know, coming in, going to show you how to do it so much better makes it worse in every way because that is like, when you lock someone in a room and then you go and sleep with them, like, I'm sorry, that's very dubious. Like, oh, that whole, even though I think she did murder someone, that whole plot line was really disturbing. And I was super yeah. unclear why he kept going up there. And Right. And that's the thing. It's like Mr. Rochester in the, in the original book. I'm not going to say there's not problems with him, but he never did that. No, no, he, he never, he never would. I don't think. I mean, yeah, he was kind of. No, he wouldn't. Yeah. That was also, 
it just felt super gratuitous too because then we had to suffer through um kind of uh steamy if you will scenes with jane and then also kind of steamy scenes with b and i was like why are we getting double steamed like i don't want any of this too much spice yeah yeah like it was just disgusting and, and, and anyway it's like it's very like ethically dubious if, if not just outright wrong um, oh, it was when wrong. someone is your prisoner that you've locked away, I don't think there's so any wrong. like ethical way to sleep with them. <laughs> well, okay, so let's talk about the Souls quote. So she quotes a riff from a riff off of a quote from Wuthering Heights um, that whatever our souls are made of, mine and Jane's are the same, or at least similar enough. Which of course was changed a bit, but I thought this was funny because a lot of people on Pinterest and stuff will have this sweet little whatever our souls are made of. It's the same on, but I'm like. What you don't obviously know in context is when they said this in the book, they're basically saying that they're both deeply problematic, flawed jerks. And yeah, oh, in Wuthering Heights, yes. So yeah, like they're saying they're both insane. <laughs> yeah, so it's like you might not want to put that in your cute little Pinterest quote, but whatever. Um, so she, I also kind of just hate how lazy her writing is. So it's like, or at least similar mm-hmm. enough. It's like, well, why even? bother saying anything um and was yes that that actually that makes me so mad too and when i did my original review of this book on goodreads i i had some things like that because so the original quote from you know by the way a different book weathering heights is just whatever our souls were made of heathcliff's and mine were the same and then she adds this you know it's mine and jane's were the same or at least similar enough and I was like, this is literally like if someone was like, you know, instead of Charles Dickens, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Um, if, if Dickens had been like, I mean, in some ways, it was kind of an okay time, I guess, sort of, kind of, but it was sort of a ba- kind of a bad kind of, of a time too. Like, it wasn't that great. I'm just like, what the heck? Like, again, taking something great and just making it terrible. I know. It's super gross. <laughs> and jury's out if Jane and Eddie even had a soul just to be honest but well and then also again with when, when i reread this the literally the context of when eddie is um saying this so we see as we'll talk about jane is like just a cold-hearted gold digger and one of the big twists quote unquote eddie is too <laughs> because eddie straight up says he married b for her money and when <laughs> When Eddie says this in the book, he's literally talking in the context. He's literally talking about how they're both gold diggers. Which, honestly... So maybe in some ways it is closer... Maybe in some ways it is closer to Heathcliff and Catherine. But, like... Well, that... Not that they were gold diggers, but they were just nuts. That... that, So in the book, that's another frustrating thing. So she's dog-walking in this kind of wealthy neighborhood in Birmingham, Alabama. And, um, so probably Vestavia Hills or something, I don't know. And she is just constantly hating on all these, like, trophy housewives and how privileged they are, living with people's money, and how they don't do anything all day. Well, guess what? As soon as Eddie shows a slightest bit of interest in her, oh, yeah. moves into his house, quits her job, and just, like, uses his credit cards and lays on the couch all day, yeah. and I'm like, you're just as bad as Steals they from him. She's she does exactly what they do, and but yet but yet continues to judge them. So, but anyways, the third quote is um, which this for me this even got lost in the shuffle until I reread. But not only not only does she ruin reader, I married him with an f bomb. She also drops f bomb directly into another quote, 
And the original quote from Jane Eyre was, I am no bird and no net ensnares me. I am a free human being with an independent will. You know, which, you know, that was like the not good, not feminist enough (laughs) original book (laughs) for its, you know. And again, I'm not saying that it's perfect or without problems, but it's just like for the time, you know, it's like, come on. Um, But that was the original quote. That was what Jane said to Rochester. And in this version, um, she changes it to this beautiful thing of, I'm not yours. I managed to say, I'm free as a bird. It's giving Feyre. And it's giving Feyre, but also Jane Eyre in the original, like she was a strong independent woman. And when she realized that Rochester had a wife in the attic, she ran away. Yeah. And that was how she ended up with Sinjin, um, as it's pronounced in the original, um, Sinjin and his sisters, because, um, you know, she was like, even though, even though this, even though like she literally had nowhere to go, she had no one else to depend on. She was an orphan and poor. She was like, I'm not going to stay here. Um, you know, I'm not going to be a side chick. And so she just like runs away. And she, she had so much integrity and she did, she had so much independence. And then Jane in this version, like she is just a gold digger that like, um, what's the word? Um, like sponges off of Eddie. (laughs) And so it's like, you know, Jane in this version to say like, I'm free as a bird. It's like, no, you're not. Like, yeah. you depend on his money for everything. Like, right. no, you're not. You're, you're, you are a bird in the cage. And you happily jumped into it, Jane. <laughs> yeah, and um, I just could really do without that last line. It's just, like, so much that I just... I I, I didn't even read that last part because it was so gross. It was so... It's just... If... Do you think the author wanted us to like Jane? Yes, I do. Jane's despicable. I I think we're supposed to like her. She's I she's in, she's like an adult adult. She's like twenty three in this book, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's not like seventeen. No, she's an adult, <laughs> and she constantly whines about how she's only making like whatever dollars an hour dog walking. But it's like you chose the easiest job with the most flexible, autonomous schedule. I'm sorry, not making more walking dogs around the neighborhood. Like, have you tried at like a supermarket probably like part time? Like, well, and that's the thing. That's the thing. It's like, you know, I get she was in. I get she was in the foster system and she's had some rough experiences. But it's like, it's not like she has like kids or a bunch of debt or like a sick relative. Like, it's like no offense, but like you can get a different job. She's just really like, lazy. Like again, and it's it's again, it's not like it's like in the eighteen hundreds where it was very different in terms of women getting an independent job. Like she could get a better job. And again, I'm not trying to say that in a way of like, you know, oh, it's poor people's fault that they're poor. Not, I'm not saying that about poor people in general. I'm saying that about Jane in this book. Oh, it, no, exactly. So, specifically, it was like she so. went to the least amount of work for the most money possible, and I'm like, that's not how it works, kiddo. Yes. You, and also. She had uh, horrible growing foster, all these awful things, but she has been an adult adult for like five years. Right. Right. And There's no reason that she couldn't like get a better job. There's absolutely no reason. No. I, it, so, there's a lot of um, trans. Well, anyway, transitional programs that would have paid yeah. for her to go to community college, but whatever. It just was like, you're yeah. doing this to yourself, well, sweetheart. Like, 
she really did. And we'll, and we'll talk about that with some of the specific moments. But so something else I also want to talk about. Complete waste of the setting. So, um, Sarah, would you like to tell the audience, maybe audience who's not from Alabama, where this book is set and why it's so funny to us? It's set in Birmingham, which is funny to us because Birmingham is a place where a lot of people who live in Huntsville, Alabama, kind of have migrated up from. And Birmingham has a lot of sad um, racial tension history kind of things, but it also has a lot of kind of southern old money, like people still go down there for their doctor's appointments. It's just kind of this iconic place that I don't like really know what to compare it to. Um, But it's funny it's set in Birmingham because it's like, I I can't think of a least interesting place except for maybe Montgomery to set a book in. Like, it's just fine. I mean, Birmingham's fine, I guess. Um, Yeah, like, like, no offense, but I would describe Birmingham, (laughs) I hope I don't get in trouble. (laughs) I would describe Birmingham as the place that, like, um there's there's not much there but the people who are from there are so proud of the fact that they're from there yeah and it's just like but then you go there and it's like this is it (laughs) there's not that much there like yeah um so and it yeah like you said it's it's a ton of old money but as we'll get to i don't think the people the people in this story are not old money in the way that old money birmingham people are and here's the thing Um, birmingham is unfortunately really dying and there's not a lot of new money so i don't know where these jokers are getting their money from because that all the industry right. in birmingham is was steel and stuff is kind of dying and there's not really anyone gaining a lot of wealth there before who didn't like accumulate it before so it's very mm-hmm. not what i feel like Birmingham. yeah it better. feels very divorced from the actual reality of birmingham yeah. but also like not to be a snob right back to Birmingham, but if you want to make some new money and live in a big mansion like the people in this story, yeah, move to Huntsville. Okay. <laughs> Prove me wrong. No, but it, right. you know, it's true. Um, but it's also what what frustrates me is that um as a big fan of Southern Gothic literature, you it's hard to think of a more Southern Gothic place than Birmingham. Because in some ways, like this is the perfect setting to retell a romantic era British story. Um, but she she do- has no idea what to do with this setting and she completely wastes it. And by the way, so I so it was kind of like where, when we did Where the Crawdads Sing and I, I was like, in my mind, this author is like from Wisconsin or something. And then you find out she grew up in Georgia. So when I read this, I was like, okay, this author is like, maybe she's like from New Zealand or something like, like she's I don't I don't think she's been to Birmingham let alone Alabama let alone the US turns out she is from Alabama <laughs> yeah she's so, actually I think she's from Birmingham or something like that right I don't know if she's from Birmingham but I did find that she's literally from Alabama so there's just no excuse for this um but basically oh and, and she went to Auburn that was so, it that was it yes it's yes yeah, like it's just like what the <laughs> heck. Um, but anyway, so I'm like, if you're if you're setting this, you know, a gothic piece of gothic literature in Birmingham, um, why would you put it in a neighborhood of brand new shiny McMansions? That's not atmospheric. That's not scary. That's not creepy. That doesn't have this like sense of centuries past that you get in a gothic novel. And again, like if if you're 
prove me, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're in Birmingham and you're living in this like, you know, brand new McMansions type of neighborhood, you're not the real upper class. You're not the real old money in Birmingham yes. because those people live in houses that are like on the historic register. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And which again, like that would fit so well with a retelling of Jane Eyre because, you know, that original story is it's in Thornfield. It's this, you know, manor with this weight of history behind it. And that's part of like what makes the book gothic and what makes the house like ominous and creepy and have all these secrets. Um, and, you know, I, I, there, there are, um, you know, there are old historic houses in Birmingham that I could absolutely believe there's a mad wife locked in the attic yeah. and there are old historic houses in Jackson. I can absolutely believe that. I, I can't picture that in a brand new McMansion. It's not. Yeah. I picture it like scary. in like Hampton Cove. I'm like, I don't think. Yeah. That work. I don't think that's. Like, no. I just don't think anyone's locked in that attic, but like a house that was built in, you know, in Birmingham, a house that was built like pre-Civil War. Yeah, that house has probably got more than one wife locked up in the oh, attic, to be honest. 100%. Well, you know like, what I thought the twist was going to be was that he was just having, like, a psychotic break and there was no one locked in the attic. Mm, Personally. That would have been better. But, yeah, it, it's just a complete waste of a setting. Um, um, so, okay, also, we got to talk about Bia's store, Southern Manners. Um, so part of what's also funny to me is that B apparently made all of her money which eddie like married her for um for running this brick and mortar store called southern manors so i will say if you if you are from the south you know exactly what this store it's like the sweet pineapple or whatever on the parkway yes and those those stores have always baffled me as to how they actually make money let alone a huge fortune (laughs) Um, because everything in there is so expensive and there's never like a ton of merchandise and there's never anybody in there. Um, but anyway, Sarah, I, I, um, I, when I was making this outline, I was like, okay, what, what is absolutely in this store? Cause I, cause I know, you know, you know, I know what, what is in this store and some things that I put down, I want to see if you can think of any more, um, simply Southern teas. Oh yes, 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 yes. Gigantic bows and headbands for little girls. Um, those weird frilly pants where it's like a capri pant, but then it has like ruffles on the bottom. Oh, those are cute. For yeah, I mean I'm I'm not hating, I'm just saying we know what's in this store. Um, this store has everything monogram. Um oh, it yes. might have some sad beige toys for sad beige children. Uh-huh. Um, it's got a lot of pashimas. What is that? Um like a those those thin shawls. That, oh yes cracker barrel um, style somewhat older women from the software um i know it's got a lot of giant beach bags um it's got a lot of cotton themed decorations um i know it's got tea towels with sassy sayings mm-hmm. <laughs> i know it's got a lot of freshwater pearl jewelry um and this might be a little bit outdated but at some point this store definitely had a lot of vera bradley no i i think slightly outdated is the is the um kind of the vibe there so that, that's Perfect. I, um, I think there'd be some things in the back that would be like a little bit like on the like less posh end, and it would definitely include little tumblers that had like "Mommy needs her juice" kind of thing. Um, yes. You know, uh, my my <laughs> get canceled for this. My like, you know, my my best friends call me mom or mom's night out or like mommy needs alone. You know, those kind of things. 
Um, definitely mm-hmm. would have a little bit of live, laugh, love, family football going on. Um, boys yes. got to have that. Well, probably a lot of hound's tooth. It's got, got a lot of hound's tooth in there. A lot of hound's tooth, yes. Something, there'd be the obligatory mm-hmm. house divided poster where it'd be Auburn on one side, yes. Alabama on the other side. Um, and definitely something yes. Yankee Candle-ish. Um, maybe mm, got a yes. wax melter in there, overpriced soft blankets. Because ironically enough, people from the South love Yankee Candles. They can't get enough of it. <laughs> It's their exotic, uh, exotic choice. So, yeah, it's just so funny to me. And again, I'm like, that's just not the vibe that I think this well, rewrite should have had. Here's the thing: How on earth did she make that much money from this place? Like it that he mm-hmm. took a brick it. and mortar store. She doesn't have an online store. Yeah, who's buying this stuff? I'm like the only the only people who own those stores are people that already have money yes. through other means, and the store is like their hobby. Like I'm sorry, but yes. we all know. But what I was thinking, like what could have what could have kept the gothic atmosphere so much more is an antique you know, shop. B could have been like an antique shop, uh, absolutely antique shop, or or B could have been one of those people that was like. Well, you know, my grandmother was from New Orleans or my grandmother was a, uh, you know, Native American princess and she could have done like little weird palm readings or like tarot cards or something like that. Yeah. Um, she could have had like a witchy aesthetic shop with like, you know, the necklaces that have the moon phases mm-hmm. and like the different crystals and she could have called it Southern Charms. That would have ah, been perfect. That's so much better than Southern Manners. Also, Manners makes yeah. me feel like she should have owned like an estate sale. Uh, company like yeah or real estate maybe yeah i don't know or like yeah or even or even like an apartment building it's it's a it's a dumb name but also like um you know then i was like if you really are going for the southern gothic where a lot of times like they'll just have like a weird weirdo character um you could have her do like taxidermy or just like oh it's so creepy (laughs) something that's weird and creepy and kind of morbid but it's like kind of a colorful profession yeah like i don't know it's just so boring it's just so boring it's so boring okay so now and and so we mentioned this like you know mr rochester in the original he has some issues but in this book um rachel hawkins makes him literally more problematic in every single way and the big twist is revealed by the title we talked about that all right so we're gonna get into some quotes so on page one this is our introduction to Jane. And this is where I say I absolutely just hated her from the first page. So our introduction to Jane, she's mad that one of the ladies she works for expects her to do her job. <laughs> so would you like to read? Um, well, let, let me read it, actually. Okay, because actually I can't um, see that super a, well. Sorry. A couple of quotes here. Um, yeah. Um hang on it's being weird um okay so again as sarah mentioned jane is a dog walker freelance dog walker and again like she's able-bodied she doesn't have a ton of debt she doesn't have family she's supporting i'm not saying she hasn't had a hard life but like there's no reason she couldn't get a better job than this because she seems to hate it um and Anyway, okay, so she's, like, complaining about, like, it's raining, blah, 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 blah. Again, you're a dog walker. You're going to have to walk in the rain sometimes. You could get a different job if you don't like doing this. Um, but anyways, so then she's, so, and she's in, the, you know, for dog walking for these rich women. And she's like, um, Mrs., but Mrs. Reed is holding her dog Bear's leash, making a face at me. 
this frown of exaggerated sympathy that's supposed to let me know how bad she feels about sending me out in the rain on this Monday morning. That's the important thing, that I know she feels bad. She still expects me to do it, though. Again, it's like, well, well yeah, because she, she paid you to do it. Yes, yes, why did yes, she expects you to do it. Like, That's what she paid you to do. If you thought <laughs> you didn't want to be there, like, what? Or like, again, she's a freelance independent contractor. Yeah. She could say, if it's raining, I don't want the dog <laughs> that day. And she doesn't get paid that day. But like, if you pay someone to walk your dog, you're not bad if you expect them to walk the dog. Yeah. No, I, I like. I'm just like. I am sorry. I have no sympathy for this. That yeah, that's the thing. Like, what did you think was going to happen when you're rolled up? She'd be like, "Oh, I'll pay you," but you don't, like. She'd been like, "Sorry, like, yeah, exactly." Like an independent contractor, you can set the boundaries for your own, your own work. Like, yeah, girl. Uh... Or or she could say like, if it's a rainy day, instead of walking the dog, I'll play with him for an hour in yeah. the house or something. Or I'll do some like little like, like, house like... work. Yeah, it's just like, I'm sorry, why do I feel bad for you? No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, okay, so then Jane, um, she sh- shows one of the hallmarks of like the worst people on earth. Um, and that she she imagines she gets mad at other people for things that she imagines them doing or feeling. <laughs> and we have no proof that any of these people have actually done or felt these things. It's all in Jane's head. So like with the same lady with the dog, um, she's like, Mrs. Reed looks sympathetic and looks just like in italics. Um, she looks like she absolutely hates that I have to walk her collie bear on a cold and stormy day in mid-February. Um, she looks like she actually gives a about me as a person. She doesn't though, which is fine, really. It's not like I give about her either and it's like you don't know how she feels well, she doesn't, but also, first of all it, and second of all why does she have to care about you well i also i'm sure she hired her to walk her dog partly out of pity i mean i'm sure she's been dealing with it until now <laughs> just fine and she was like oh this poor girl needs some money let me pay her to walk my dog yeah but also like she's mad because she imagines mrs reed to not care about her as a person and like i'm sorry why does mrs reed have to care about you i mean as a person? we should all care about each other as people but it, that's also like if you expected the person checking you out of walmart to be your therapist it's like you know yeah. maybe not <laughs> or like if i'm at the library and i'm like someone comes and checks out a book and i'm like they didn't care about me as a person who cares that's not what they're there for yeah like they have their own life and to again live. <laughs> but also and also, I, I've never been a dog walker, so I'm sure it's not without its problems. But I will tell you, I've had some hard, stressful, exhausting jobs in my life. And even in the rain, walking around a collie named Bear, I can think of a lot of worse jobs. Same. Me too. A lot of oh, worse jobs. Oh my gosh. And her job sounds most so Most of easy. my jobs never involved so easy. Dogs. Now, I have no, no sympathy for Jane, to be clear. I think she's a... Just not... Really not at all. Yeah. <laughs> um okay so you got to read this other quote that i put here um another example of jane getting mad at other people for what she imagines <laughs> all in me. all it's a good gig it's certainly better than working at roasted i want to point out roasted's a coffee shop and i've worked lots of food industry jobs and coffee shop is by far the best i don't even want to hear it anyway 
Here, people actually look me in the eye because they want to be the kind of people who tell themselves they're not assholes if they actually call the help by their first name. Jane is like family, Mrs. Reed probably says to the other ladies at the country club, and they all make simpering sounds of agreement and have another Bloody Mary. Jane, I gotta tell you, girl, no one's thinking about you like that. No one cares. I know. I don't think Mrs. Reed ever says that. That'd be like, if, like, say, okay, like, I live in an apartment complex, and there are, say, we need to have a maintenance issue because we're renters. Someone will come and fix it sometimes if they come. That'd be like if I was like, oh, the guy who came to fix our garbage disposal was like family. How dare – like, I don't know him. Like, I'm sure he's lovely and yeah. I appreciate what he does. But like, That would be so creepy and weird. And it's and this is what makes me mad because I've been in – because in the book, she's kind of like this nanny tutor kind of thing. And I've been a nanny. And it is very important to feel like you're part of the family when you nanny because you really invest in their children. Like, you're in their house all the time. Like, that is a part of that. But just to come 30 minutes a week and walk the dog, like, why does that, why did she, why did, why does she have to feel like she is like family? I'm just like, this is not equitable to being a nanny. Like, chill. No. And the thing is, like, we still have live-in nannies today. She could have made her be Hmm. that today. But again, she's getting mad at um, Mrs. Reed and these ladies for saying Jane is like family and drinking Bloody Marys, but they're this is all in her head. They're not actually And I think how whiny she is where she's like, Lisa's better than the coffee shop. And I'm like, first off, nothing's wrong like it's it's not like 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 I said, worked a lot of food service jobs. Coffee shop is on the top of the tier. But secondly, like who owes you not having to work a service level job when you don't have a higher skill set or work or like you don't seem interested in anything else. It's like no one owes you not having to start working out and you're tw- the, 23 like she's not 16 she should have she could theoretically have been in the workforce for like eight years by now like yeah she's really good okay so she also does this with eddie's lawyer so and it's even like these throwaway characters that we barely see she still makes time for this so she's like i imagine he walks over to the pub i saw on the corner for lunch every day Orders the same thing, has at least two beers before coming back to sexually harass the pretty college student currently answering phones. And it's like, what are you talking about? Maybe. You don't know. You never saw him do this. You know what? I, I think she, you're just assuming that he would. I think she would. She needs to invest in like an audiobook. Just listen to herself. Like, a girl, bit. what are you talking about? And then, like, and then she goes to John's church at one point. And she says, my shoulders are back as I open the door, my head high. And when I step inside, the girl sitting at the desk gives me a bright smile. She probably thinks I'm here to donate money. Which is like, okay, so first a, of all. Why, why, why is everyone simultaneously pitying and looking down on her and simultaneously assuming she's a benevolent, like, benefactor? <laughs> this is so true. And also it's like, this girl did nothing that could literally, like, literally nothing that could even be construed as something unpleasant. So the girl gives me a bright smile. And then she's like, she probably thinks I'm here to donate money. It's blah, like, blah, blah. this reflects like, badly on I, you, Jane. Like, on you. <laughs> I know. Okay, then she also constantly misunderstands what other people are saying. And this is like especially bizarre to me because it's like the author wrote this character and the other characters so i think the author is like misunderstanding what her own characters are saying so if you can read the quote read this whole quote of the scene it's a little bit long but it's so important campbell finishes her train of thought 
I do not know why he doesn't just go ahead and wife you up, girl. Seriously, Emily says, nodding and pouring herself more wine. If he's going to have you living with him, the least he can do is put a ring on it. Caleb wanted us to live together before we got married, Anna Grace says, shaking her head so that her ponytail brushes her back. And I was like, I don't think so. If a man wants a woman to basically be a wife, he needs to make her a wife. The others all hum in agreement, and I look around at these ladies drinking in the middle of the afternoon on a random Thursday, all of whom seem to have decided that getting married is a woman's chief accomplishment. And I finally get it. I can join all the committees, wear all the right clothes, learn about freaking football, say all the right things, and none of it will matter. I'm never going to be one of them until Eddie proposes. Okay, so first of all, did any of these women say that getting married is a woman's chief accomplishment? No, I think they were just kind of dogging Eddie a little bit for not um, taking the relationship to the next level. Yeah, and also, I look at what these women said, it's like, find the lie. Yeah. Like, they're right. (laughs) And Jane, and again, that's why I say, like, the author is, like, misunderstanding her own characters (laughs) because, like, these women said A, and then Jane is like, well, they all said B, and then gets mad, but it's like, but you're the author, you know what the women said. Like, I'm just so confused by this. And then, like, um, and Jane, you know, she just, because she has this idea that that she is always right and you know the and she has this very set idea in her mind about these other women in the neighborhood that they're shallow they're not feminist they're you know backward they um you know they're vapid all these things um she doesn't even listen to what they're actually saying which is that like which honestly i'm not like judging anyone but i agree with because like if you are like, why should a guy have you live with him and do the emotional labor and and put up you with know, him? Even though Jane does know, even though Jane does know work or emotional oh. labor, but you know, in theory, like, why should a man be entitled to those full time benefits of a woman living with him when he can't even be bothered to like take it seriously and make a commitment? Yeah. I feel like they were kind of looking out and, for her a little bit. Yeah, I so too. I do too. I think they like had her back and they were giving her good advice. Like, and again, it's like no offense, but especially when the guy is super yeah. rich and you're not, like he, it's so easy for him to just discard yeah. you. And so it's like, girl, don't even give him the time of right. day unless he's like demonstrating a serious commitment right. to you. Like, don't waste your right. time. It's not, they're not saying that a woman getting married is a woman's chief accomplishment. Right. Like, they're just saying, like, don't let him take advantage of you and don't, you know, if he's not serious about this relationship. Well, here's what I also hate Um, about this passage is uh, obviously that's all Jane cares about, too, because it's not like Jane is working hard on her degree or really leading into her career. She's doing nothing all day as well. So it's not like they're like, oh, stop working on your stop girl bossing and get married. She's like, yes. That's so it's true. Frustrating. Yeah, they don't they don't tell her, oh, quit your job, girl. Yeah. Because Jane herself quit her job <laughs> when she started living with them. <laughs> like, and you're so right. Like, she's like, oh, they think getting married is the woman's chief accomplishment. Okay, well, like, what so what's the other stuff that you're yeah, working exactly. on, Jane? What else is in your life other than your relationship with Eddie? Nothing. Gross. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. So um, anyway, then Jane also <laughs> judges people for having the very things she herself covets and would have if she could. Ain't that the truth? So, because she is a complete kleptomaniac and she steals from all these people <laughs> for no reason. 
And then even after she gold digs, uh, even after she digs all of Eddie's gold, she continues to steal from other people for fun. And because that's the kind of person that she terrible. is. How would she feel if someone stole from her? She'd probably have a fit. Oh, she absolutely would. Okay, so she she whined and moans constantly about how awful it is that the women in this neighborhood have easy lives and nice things. Just goes on and on and on and on, right? Well, when we meet Eddie, who is identical to the rich woman in this neighborhood in every way, in that he's also rich, he has a lot of nice things, he spends he a lot of money. He hires a dog walker. She has no problem with it. Our our feminist hero here. <laughs> like, she, you know, she's mad at these women for having a lot of money and nice things and then eddie who lives exactly the same way that they do you know she has no problem she had no point ever expresses any problem with Eddie, which is some real internalized misogyny there in my opinion seriously like there's nothing else you can and then she does not miss a beat just stepping on in it's like you you're worse than them but just as bad yeah I know. At least, at least the other women like um, they like plant flowers in the neighborhood. And I think they have stuff, kids. So like, they and, occasionally like... do something helpful. Yes. She's <laughs> and Jane just doesn't. And like, okay. And then um, she is literally financially and emotionally dependent on a rich white man in every way, and she still has the gall to make observations like this. So at one point, she's talking about Trip, who was um, another guy in the neighborhood. And she's like, at 8 a.m., I find myself turning down Trip Street, a first-degree murder charge, and he's still at home. That's rich white guys for you, though. And it's just like, no offense, if you have such a problem with rich white guys, why are you dating okay, one? Well, another thing, if I can't really totally remember what happened here, but if someone's been suspected of a crime but they haven't been arrested yet, you better be at your house. Like, if they can find you, they put a warrant out for you. Where else does she want him to be? Over the border to Canada? I know. So, because basically what goes on here is there, so B, who was um, Eddie's first wife, and then Tripp's wife, and I forget her name, but... Blanche. Um, there were these two women who, as I... Blanche. Um, who, as I, as I long ago described it, um, wandered into an F. Scott Fitzgerald novel and died in a, died in a boating <laughs> accident. <laughs> um but of course you find out that B wasn't really wasn't dead really dead because she's the wife upstairs and but Blanche was really dead and basically what's going on is the police are trying to find out like did Trip kill the woman did Eddie kill the woman did they both kill the woman and and Jane at one point becomes like all but convinced that Eddie did murder these women and she's going back on back and forth on like did Eddie or Trip have anything to do with it well um, but she's, so she's just like, still you know, spending money, Eddie, like, business as usual. Right. Well, so so she's like judging Eddie, and she's like, um, or she's like judging Trip, like, oh, like you know, Trip is just escaping justice, and blah da 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 da. And it's like, but you also you equally suspect Eddie of being involved with this. And did you tell the police? Yeah. Did you say anything? No. Yeah, and I'm also just kind of so like, like, how did just... you get from A to B? Like, why, why, why are you just dogging? which white men right now like i don't really know that has to do with anything right but when you're dating a rich white man an equally which equally rich equally white man that you also suspect of murder you're letting him get away with yeah, it no absolutely so who are you to be like making these statements about criminal <laughs> justice and whatever like 
And I'm I'm not saying that it shouldn't be criticized. I'm just saying like the hypocrisy of her. Yes. And and they, and so also every time that we see Trip, who is this other rich white guy that she's talking about, every time we see Trip, she has to mention how disgusting and fat and ugly and oh. gross she thinks he is. And um, so it's like, well, thanks for that. Um, but also it's like, so you think that Trip should be brought to justice and Eddie should get away with it. And the only difference between them is one of them's hot and one of them ding, ain't. Ding, ding, ding. And you want the you have no problem. <laughs> you want you want this other guy to go to jail just because you don't think he's hot. <laughs> That's the only difference. Oh my them. gosh, you're so right though. <laughs> yeah, if you've been walking that guy's like, dog, what is she happening? Have been like, oh, what is yeah. happening? Okay, so then, and also like people literally can never win with her. So at one point, she goes to John's church and. Um, they're not, they don't serve alcohol at this church function, which is not that surprising. Um, and she's just like kind of all judging them for like, oh, of course they don't have alcohol. <laughs> They're so boring. And then, but then she goes to a country club fundraiser with <laughs> Eddie where they do serve alcohol. <laughs> and she judges them for serving alcohol. <laughs> I cannot. And she judges her. them for like drinking too much. And then at that exact same function, she says she drank three glasses of wine on an empty stomach. So as she's sitting there judging all these other people <laughs> for drinking too much, she's sitting there chugging it back. Hippocrates! <laughs> oh, Something like gosh, is not hooked can't. up correctly in this young lady's brain. <laughs> just no offense. Okay, now you have no. Okay, then she's also, she's even mean to the dogs she oh, walks. Honey, who are completely unproblematic. <laughs> like it's not these dogs' fault that they belong to rich people. <laughs> so, like at one point, um, it's like Bear stops to smell another mailbox, but I pull him on, making my way towards my favorite house. <laughs> Wait, why is it her favorite house? That's like, so weird. I I don't remember what that was about, but it's like, why won't you let the poor dog smell like the mailbox? Like, you can't either way. Like, jerk. Like, yeah. And then, she at one point, she literally doesn't even walk in. So, like, at the, at, at the beginning, she's walking bare, and is when it's when she meets Eddie. And he invites her in for a cup of coffee. And she says, I'd rather sit here talking and drinking coffee in this gorgeous kitchen than walk bare in the rain. So she's just like leaving bear in the garage or oh whatever and not even walking him. She's like so mean of the dogs. <laughs> and then at one point, one of her little kleptomaniac things that she steals is one of the dog's uh, name tags. What is wrong with her? So it's like, so if this poor dog gets lost, he won't have his name tag. And people won't be able to find his owners because she stole she it. That? That's like so mean to the dog. Okay, now you have to read this quote about the starts. What are you two doing okay. all the way down here? So she, so basically what she wanted, what <laughs> she took the dogs to a different neighborhood. So more people would see her walking Eddie's dog and know she had a connection to Eddie as if anyone would know <laughs> or care in chapter six. So if you can read this quote. What are you two doing all the way down here? She asks it with a smile, but my face suddenly flames hot like I've been caught at something. Change of scenery, I reply with a sheepish shrug, hoping Mrs. McLaren will let this go, but now she's stepping closer, her gaze falling to Adele. 
Sweetheart, it's probably not safe to have the dogs out of the neighborhood. The, word, the words are cooed, trigger sweet, a cotton candy chat, chast, chastisement, and I hate her for them. Like I'm a child, or worse, a servant who wandered out of her gated yard. She probably thought she was trying to steal the dog. I know. And again, it's like, find the lie. Like, Everything so, and I've definitely had those moments, like, I've had those moments when I've been spoken to, like, in that condescending, sugary, sweet way, and it is annoying. But also, like, Miss McLaurin is right. Like, it probably isn't safe to, like, walk these people's dogs, like, across a major street and, like, just stay in the neighborhood, Jane. You have one job. Yeah, that also, like, there's some parts of Birmingham that are kind of scary. And it was probably, like, a major highway she walked across. And it's not her dog. So, like. I know. Also, if she feels this way, why does she, why doesn't she, I, I just, I'm so confused why she chooses to keep living this life that she apparently hates so much. Well, speaking of that, I also want to talk about Jane's performative martyrdom. So please read this quote about Black Coffee. Okay, okay. So this is when I believe Eddie is offering to get her a coffee. Okay, and I I have a comment to make shortly after this. Okay, Black, I reply, the truth is I don't really like Black Coffee, but it's always the cheapest thing at any cafe, so it becomes a habit. Milk does not cost extra, nor do sugar packets. They say it's self-serve. Here's the coffee. You can go over there. You can choose milk or you can choose half and half. You can put in sugar packets, Stevie, whatever you want to do. Those don't cost extra. That's so true. They always have the cream they and sugar on a little table. Extra. What is wrong with this girl? Yeah. But but also, like, this is literally performative martyrdom because she's being offered a free coffee anytime she likes. And she's like, oh, I'll just take a black coffee. And, like, she's like, I don't even like it, but because it's so cheap, it's all I could ever afford in my life. And so, <laughs> and even when someone, like, offers her some for free, she still takes the co- kind she doesn't even like. And then like. she just steals their stuff. And it's just like, this is nobody's fault but yours. Ask for the coffee that you want. I, I, I Also, it's like, if she's really stealing people's stuff, like, I feel like she could afford, like, a latte. I don't know. Also, like, make your own coffee at home. Like, I don't I don't see what the problem is here. Like, she's a yeah, weirdo. That's the thing. Is like, she wants us to feel so sorry for her for being so poor. But not only is there no reason she couldn't get a better job, she also steals stuff <laughs> on a daily basis. So she should be rolling in the dough. Is she fencing these things? Like, it's just... I, no, I don't. I think she rarely even sells them. Like, I think she just take because she steals for fun. And it's like, if you're really that hard up for cash, take them to the pawn shop. Oh, yeah. And shut oh, up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so like, this just kind of reminds me of like sometimes when we were kids playing with our dollhouses, um, some of us would kind of compete for who could be the most pathetic and um you know suffer the most and um you know it would kind of get in these little competitions of like oh well you know we got up at 3 a.m and started working oh well we got up at midnight and started working and you know just sort of like these ridiculous things or like the games that we would play about being orphans and stuff like that where um you know i think when when you're not actually suffering that much um there's a kind of excitement maybe that you get out of pretending to suffer or like um choosing to suffer needlessly just because you can or something but jane like does that and then expects us to feel sorry for her and i just don't i just don't at all 
Okay. So there's, so Sarah, she's been going on and on about how, how hard her life is, how difficult it is walking all these dogs, right? Did you know at one point in the book, she says how many dogs she walks? Uh, Can I take a wild guess? Yes. Okay. So say you walked five a day, every day, May five a day every day. Maybe I would say you could probably get. I'll say six dogs a day. So like, how, but how many dogs total do you think are in her rotation? This is her full time job, right? Yes, it is. I'm sure she doesn't walk all the dogs every day. Maybe twenty five. So like, okay, so like twenty five dogs in her rotation, and she's walking five a of day them each five sure, days a sure. week. Okay. Well, listen no. to this quote. How many dogs are you walking in the neighborhood? He asks as I slide off the stool, reaching for Bear's leash. Four right now, I tell him. Oh my gosh. So this is almost certainly going to have to be a two-parter. That seems to be what we do now. Totally. But um, we'll wrap up this section by saying I have one thing to say about Jane, and it's this. I agree. Couldn't agree more. She's awful. The absolute bird.